This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, midweek Wednesday, June 22nd. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. It's a good summer for teenagers who are looking for work. We'll take a deeper dive in our next segment. But right now, Chairman Jerome Powell says in testimony before Congress that the Federal Reserve is strongly committed to bringing down inflation. Let's discuss the latest comments with David Jones, chairman of DMJ Advisors in Denver, Colorado, and author of the book Understanding Central Banking. David, Thanks for joining us today. Uh, Chairman Powell's uh, uh, testimony in front of the Senate Banking Committee, uh, part of a uh, regularly uh, scheduled uh, Q&A session he's required to do. Is there anything that he said today that uh, jumps out at you or comes as a real surprise? Not really, but I would uh, continue what you just implied. Um, The Fed chairman said the Fed can't fail in seeking to bring down inflation and in trying to keep it from becoming entrenched, that was as strong a words as we could ask from the Fed chairman. He said we could should, we should see ongoing rate hikes and inflation. I should say um, is the main objective. Um, he even added that recession is a possibility. So I <clears throat> I think the Fed chairman was very strong in his wording today. When uh, looking back at the uh, your previous inflationary time, uh, the one that dissipated in the early 1980s, um, obviously it was a different set of economic factors, and the U.S. was a lot more sensitive to foreign oil markets than it was today. Um, but that uh, that major hike in the early 80s that finally ended that cycle, uh, what did that do? Uh, how did it how did it happen? Uh, how was it successful? And uh, what lessons can we learn today, or can uh, the Fed Board of Governors learn today? Well, the main uh, lesson from our experience with former Fed Chairman Paul Volcker back in the early 80s is uh, you have to mean what you say. Uh, When you say you're going to fight inflation, you have to mean it. Uh, That is not to imply that Chairman Powell will have to push interest rates up to anything like the levels uh, that uh, former Fed Chairman Volcker had to push uh, rates up to. He was up as high as 18 and a half percent for mortgage rates back in those days. Um, the, the Chairman Powell has has to go a lot less higher than that, but I think he has to prove to the public that he has one objective, and that is to bring inflation down and to keep it from being built into people's thinking. That's really the main concern of the Fed. Somebody asked the Fed chairman, would you be willing to hike rates 100 basis points or a full percentage point? Remember, we saw a 75 basis point hike in June. 
and Chairman Powell answered, everything is on the table. I thought that was interesting. And uh, when, it, when you talk about uh, inflation becoming entrenched uh, very quickly, is that a structural phenomenon or a psychological phenomenon? Psychological. That's an excellent question. Um, one of the surveys that people don't watch closely enough, in my view, is that Michigan University survey, which asked people, where do you think inflation will be five to ten years from now? That survey jumped up in the latest reading, and that was one of the reasons why the Fed surprised the markets with that three-quarters of a percentage point increase or 75 basis point increase in June. David Jones, chairman of DMJ Advisors in Denver, Colorado, author of the book Understanding Central Banking. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up, the value of a summer job for teenagers. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's a great summer for teenagers looking for employment, and that job can mean a lot more than just a paycheck. We welcome in Rick Cobb, the founder of the workplace consulting firm To Discern, based in Chicago. Rick, thanks for joining us today. The benefits of a summer job, uh, you can list them all. Uh, they teach you how to adhere to a schedule, how to handle customers, uh, just the the idea that you can uh, master a skill when, the time, when, when summer ends. But it sounds like this summer, you can learn a new skill as a teenager, and that is the art of negotiation. <laughs> well, that's true, uh, and I think that if, if your goal as a as a uh, someone seeking a job for the summer is just to make money, that's that's uh, certainly something that you can learn. I would recommend, though, that that those out there who are looking for a summer job are are more interested in what they're going to learn than how much they're going to make. You know, as someone who's been around in the working world for a long time, I know I can look at my Social Security forms and see what I made back when I was 16 and 17, and no one could live on that. But the ability to actually learn how to interact with a quote-unquote boss, with a customer, those sorts of things, those are priceless. And those, uh, you, those skills that you develop stay with you uh, the rest of your life. And if you don't have them, uh, they, they cost you the rest of your life. Well, I mean, if uh, I, I live in the northwest suburbs and anybody who is lives in or around Park Ridge is probably familiar with the Dairy Queen at Devon and Canfield. And on a summer night, it can become a very active place, a line out the door, people shouting sure. uh, orders at you. And uh, if you can get through that summer and know how to handle a stressful situation like that uh, with a certain amount of grace and aplomb, that's a real good feather in your cap. It really is. And there's something else that's important to keep in mind. You know, we're talking about people that typically are somewhere between, are you allowed to work when you're 14? I'm not sure. 14, you know, 14 to 17 generally. Uh, you know, we're not really quite developed as people, as thinking adults at that point. Uh, so there's an opportunity. The devil's, you know, the, the, the idle mind is the devil's playground. We certainly can get ourselves into a lot of unintended consequences if we're not occupied by something else. So it's, a, it's an opportunity also, and there's a lot of studies that indicate, certainly for, for inner city and economically challenged children, that uh, a summer job has statistically shown to reduce the likelihood that they're going to have problems and has increased the likelihood that they're going to have a better, more successful career. And and just the confidence problem, and you were talking, we were both talking about handling stressful situations and uh, just mastering the skills of being inside the workplace, but landing that first job should also be a huge confidence builder. It really should. And, and, and understand, uh, we, we say, I say this like everybody understands it, but at the end of the process, 
people don't hire someone because they're really good or because of what they're able to do. That's the that's table stakes to have the conversation. They hire the person they like. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to, to change who you are or modify who you are, but your goal in those conversations is to find a connection with the person that causes them to think more positively about you and who you are and how you fit into what they're trying to do. And it really is. It's it's sort of a dating process. And, and uh, you know, we're not very good at that when we're 16 either. And I'm always amazed at those kids at the Dairy Queen, about how, the, how well they handle those uh, very busy summer nights. And I'm sure they'll take those skills with them for the rest of their lives. Rick Cobb, sure. the founder of the workplace consulting firm To Discern, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next, restaurants are providing more than just food and drinks to lure customers. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM News business hour continues people dining out are more frequently looking to have experiences along with their meal let's get an update with uh, izzy karish president of hospitality works aka the restaurant coach here in chicago izzy thanks for joining us today what are the experiences and experiential restaurants are we talking about here well before the pandemic you know you started to see what they called social clubs kind of coming onto the market where you could go in and eat or and bowl and do some other. I, I mean, I've even seen where you can go in, eat, bowl, and throw axes. So people were looking for not only a dining experience, but more entertainment. But after COVID, uh, there is really an explosion in, uh, you know, this what we're going to call entertainment uh, with places in Chicago like a pinstripes where you go in, uh, great food, they do functions, and then you can bowl or play bocce. The, the, the whole pinstripes concept, I know it's very uh, upscale and very trendy looking, but uh, for those of us who grew up on the south side and around the southwest suburbs, uh, this calls to mind the Branding Iron, which was a restaurant in Oak Lawn uh, that was a pioneer of the genre. It was a fine dining and a bowling, uh, and a bowling alley, but it might have been a couple of years ahead of its time. Is this simply a, notion, a function of the fact that people were cooped up for a year and now they just really have to make up for 12 months of lost living? <laughs> I think that is a huge part of it, Rob. The other piece of it, interestingly enough, and I think this is what's going to really drive it for the next six months, is gas prices. Gas. I've talked to many people who are canceling those long driving vacations. They can't afford it. So what are they going to do? They're going to stay local, and they are going to go to places that have uh, full entertainment. And, and uh, one of the things that I'm, I'm glad to see is I'm, I'm seeing a lot more bowling alleys uh, being built. It just tells you that families are going out again. They're doing it together. They want to have fun. Uh, you know, that's certainly an aspect. And of course, you have the movie theaters where you can, you know, have great food brought right to you in the, in the theater. So lots of options for families. Gas prices high, less travel, more uh, staycations. And these ideas are kind of back to the future. As we talked about, you know, the, the bowling alley is an idea straight out of the honeymooners. Uh, dinner theater, supper clubs, I mean, these are all ideas from the mid-20th century uh, being pulled forward in time by 70 years and getting a 21st century makeover. Yeah, and supper clubs, great example. Those are doing fantastic, as they always had in Wisconsin, but doing even better now that more people are staying local and looking for more fun things to do. And is this something that uh, has some legs, or could it uh, peter out uh, once everybody gets, uh, you know, gets all of their get get the, they get the wiggles out essentially and go back to their old lives? No, I think this is something that's going to last for the next 
few years. This isn't just a flash in the pan. You know, the economy is what it is. People want to have good times with their families. Uh, and this is something that's it's still building. I think we have quite a number of years left with this type of trend. Izzy Karish, president of Hospitality Works, a.k.a. the restaurant coach based in Chicago. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. A judge lifts a long-standing hiring decree at the Chicago Fire Department. A three-month break could be coming to the federal gas tax. In Personal Finance Wednesday, it's important to check your balance of investments during times of market turmoil. Mark Zuckerberg's company Meta is investing heavily in virtual reality and augmented reality technologies. WBBM. BM Business. The markets are higher. The Dow is up 121 points. The Nasdaq up 73. The S&P 500 is up 19. AccuWeather says sunshine, patchy clouds, not as hot as recent days. Lower humidity today, but a high of 90. Temperatures could hit the low 90s in the southwest suburbs, and it will be cooler by the lake. Right now, we have 84 degrees under mostly sunny skies at 1231, topping our news at the half hour. A federal judge has agreed to dissolve a decades-old mandate on minority hiring in the Chicago Fire Department. Chief Judge Rebecca Paulmeyer says minority representation has increased substantially since the mandate was first implemented in 1980. The judge also ruled the city has made good faith efforts to comply with the decree and its dissolution will not limit future challenges to alleged employment discrimination in the fire department. The request to dissolve the mandate was made jointly by federal prosecutors and attorneys for the city of Chicago. President Biden today will call on Congress to give drivers a break by approving a gas tax holiday. The president will urge lawmakers to suspend federal gas and diesel taxes for three months and call on states to suspend their taxes or provide similar relief. If the federal savings were fully passed along, people would save roughly 3.6% at the pump, with prices averaging about $5 a gallon. The president's earlier efforts have done little to ease high gas prices, which are a fundamental threat to both his policy and political aims. Many economists and lawmakers from both parties, though, are skeptical about gas tax suspensions. In 2008, Biden's White House running mate called the idea a gimmick. One Barack Obama said simply let politicians say they did something. Sagar Magani, Washington. It's 12.32 on the Noon Business Hour. Markets are gaining ground. We're joined by Hugh Johnson, Chairman and Chief Investment Officer of Hugh Johnson Economics, based in Albany. Hugh, thanks for joining us today. Chairman Powell of the Federal Reserve uh, spoke to senators earlier today. Uh, While his words may not have been much of a surprise, uh, was that enough to calm the markets and calm investors? Well, I think to some extent it is calming investors. So investors still remain very concerned. You know, the Federal Reserve has gotten 
much more aggressive than we thought they'd uh, thought they'd be. They they recently raised interest rates 75 basis points when we expected only 50 basis points and have assured us they're going to even be tougher. They're going to go 75 basis points in the July meeting and are likely to go 50 basis points in September. So they really mean business. They're really ratcheting up interest rates to try to slow the economy and slow the economy by slowing the economy, of course, bring the rate of inflation down. I think we're going to see over time, gradually, better inflation numbers, but they're not going to come quickly. They're going to come slowly. And then in time, hopefully, the Federal Reserve will be able to take their foot off the brake, and that's going to give the uh, equity markets a real lift. Right now, the equity markets are looking forward to that. They're getting a little bit of a lift, but we still need more assurance. We need better inflation numbers, and we need the Fed to tell us they're taking their foot off the brake in response. So, if this is all going to take time, I guess, Rob, that's really what I'm saying. The uh, It seems like there's a, the, all of the bets that are taking place uh, by investors right now uh, all center on where they think inflation is going and also where they think the trajectory of the economy will end up. Uh, whether they could avoid the recession, whether there will be a recession but there's a shallow one, or potentially something uh, even more uh, arduous beyond that. Where do you fall on that spectrum? That is a really big debate. Are we going to have a hard landing or are we going to have a soft landing? Right now, when I look at the numbers, I would say the case for a hard landing certainly exists, but I think the case is stronger for a soft landing, which really means the economy is in the process of slowing. I think that's already ongoing, and then I think that's going to continue. So I would call it a soft landing. And under those conditions, we might not get a big lift off in the stock market, but you'll get the kind of performance you're seeing this week in the stock market. It'll do a little bit better. I think the case is stronger for a soft landing than a hard landing. But believe me, this is a tough call. It's going to be a very close call, Rob. And it's uh, it's it's tough to forecast. And and the the analysis also seems to uh, depend on the analysts opinion of the Federal Reserve, either as an institution or of the uh, Fed chair, and whether or not they believe uh, the, the Fed is capable of tackling this problem and if they have the credibility to do so. I think the worry is is that the Federal Reserve has the capability of attacking or, or working on the problem. But the question is, is, are we going to start to see what we've seen so often in the past? And that's overkill. And what ordinarily happens, often happens in financial market history is the Federal Reserve simply uh, gets impatient, they go too far, too fast, and what's going to be a soft landing turns into be a hard landing. Right now, I think the best bet is still soft landing. But given financial market history, everybody's watching carefully, trying to make sure that the Federal Reserve doesn't go too far too fast. And believe me, they're being aggressive. They're really determined to bring the rate of inflation down. I hope they don't make a mistake. It looks like over the summer, you're going to see a lot of volatility in the uh, consumer price index and the uh, producer price index numbers. Um, when could we expect that to begin to normalize or at least for a, a trend to start to show itself? I think you're going to see it fairly soon. Let me give you some numbers. Uh, the rate of inflation, consumer inflation, consumer prices, 8% year over year in the first quarter, 68 for the second quarter, the current quarter. And we'll see those numbers come down looking like 5.4 in the third, 4.2 in the fourth, down to maybe the 25 to 3% levels when we get to 2023. So I think we're going to see better inflation numbers. The one thing you have to ask yourself, 
I hope you're right, Hugh. I hope you see better inflation numbers. But the question is, will the Federal Reserve be responsive to better inflation numbers by taking their foot off the brake? Hugh Johnson, Chairman and Chief Investment Officer of Hugh Johnson Economics, based in Albany, New York. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up next in Personal Finance Wednesday, making sure you have a good balance of investments. Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Personal Finance Wednesday. One way to deal with the volatile market is to reallocate your assets. Let's get some help from Tony Orgoric, founder of Orgoric Wealth Management based in Buffalo. Tony, thanks for joining us today. Uh, When it comes to analyzing your portfolio, is there a tip-off that uh, your portfolio is balanced properly? Well, Rob, I think what's important is people have to consider what their level of risk tolerance is, uh, and this is a wonderful time to be able to do that with markets diving uh, as they have been. And uh, your asset allocation is going to be your mix of stocks, bonds, and let's say cash. And if you're finding that uh, during this decline in your future count, you you really want to get out of the market, you probably have too heavy an allocation of stocks and you need to be able to pull that back. Um, one other point is, you know, the past three years have been double-digit returns in the markets, and sometimes if you haven't what we call rebalanced, your stock allocation may have grown. And what you have to do each year is to move it back to what your target was. Otherwise, your stock component could have gotten much bigger than you realize, and when the market gets slammed, you do too. And also, your asset allocation probably depends on uh, where you are in life. Um, You may have a different mix if uh, you're close to retirement or just past it. And uh, should you do anything at all if your retirement date is uh, 30 years down the road? Yeah, well, I think the interesting thing is that people who are approaching retirement, for example, you know, maybe thinking that they want, they got one last opportunity to make up for some lost time, and they may unfortunately, allocate more to stocks than they should. Someone who's younger really has the capacity to ride out market cycles, and there are always going to be market cycles. So as long as you've got that ability, uh, you may have a, a fairly strong allocation of stocks, maybe you know, 80 or 90%. As you get closer to that retirement date, though, your ability to make up those, you know, any declines is reduced. Therefore, you're going to want to be backing off on your on your stock allocation. And then, I mean, we also talk about uh, your asset portfolio as your retirement vehicle, and that is very true. But what if, you're, if you have a savings account uh, for sending your kids to college, or if you're trying to uh, pay for home improvements? What do you do in that situation? Yeah, well, you know, in the event you're looking at doing home improvements, you should not have any market exposure if you're going to be spending that money within the next 12 to 18 months. Put it in cash. I know you may not be making what you think you could be making, but at least the money is going to be there for your improvement. Now, in terms of college, there are many of these uh, uh, 529 plans that have sort of an auto allocation um, investment objective. And what that means is as your kid gets closer to college age, they're mechanically reducing the exposure to stocks, maybe adding more to bonds or to cash so that when the money needs to be there to pay for those uh, those tuition payments, uh, it's not going to be subject to market volatility. 
And then lastly, uh, if if you pull up to the gas station and you're frustrated by $5 gallons of gas, $4 gallons of gas, depending on where you're at, uh, and you want to say, you know what, I'm not going to complain. I'm going to take advantage of this. Um, when do you get into the energy sector and when do you get out? Well, the the energy sector definitely is making money, uh, and they are also allocating some of that money to you know additional drilling, uh, uh, refining capacity, whatever the case is. You know, right now those stocks are hot; they've been up significantly. So you know that ship has sort of passed. Usually, what people want to do, what Buffett suggests, is that you uh, look at stocks like hamburgers, and you're really happy when prices go down. So you should be looking at, you know, we've had maybe a 24, 25% reduction. A basic thing, people could look at index funds if they had an interest in that. From a sector standpoint, look at technology that's been hit very significantly. But the question is going to be, um, you know, does it make sense for them to get hit as hard as they have because their earnings are going to be constrained? So I think rather than playing sector plays uh, at this point with a 25% off or so, I take a look at an index for a lot of people. Tony Ogorek, founder of Ogorek Wealth Management in Buffalo, New York. Thanks for joining us today. Join us at this time tomorrow for Technology Thursday. And still to come, Meta shows off the new prototype of a headset for use in virtual and augmented reality. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Meta is revealing prototypes of its next generation of headsets for augment and virtual reality use. Let's bring in Jennifer Jolly, Tech Life columnist for USA Today and founder and editor-in-chief of Techish.com based in San Francisco. Jennifer, thanks for joining us today. What is basically the long and short of these new uh, VR and AR headsets that uh, not only Meta is developing but kind of betting their future on? Well, the the long and short of it really boils down to the race for space on your face. Uh, you know, the the smartphone market has kind of plateaued, and all the bigs, all the big tech companies are are really shifting to that next big thing. So for Meta, the idea here is to combine augmented reality, so you can still see in front of you, see the real world around you, with virtual reality. So you've got this, and they call it mixed reality. So you have the best of everything living in the metaverse, you know, that digital world, with the best of everything in the physical world. And the idea or notion of where we're headed with all of this is that you can be in both worlds at the same time, physically and digitally. And what is the, the benefit of uh, augmented reality? If you're walking down Michigan Avenue in Chicago with an AR right. helmet, what, what, what are some of the things <laughs> from the metaverse that you can see grafted onto the Magnificent Mile? Yeah, well, that is a great example. So number one, it won't be a helmet. It'll be basically a thicker pair of sunglasses. Right now, the, the prototypes are looking like a very thin pair of ski goggles or maybe even a kind of a flat, wider pair of swim goggles. So eventually we're talking about uh, a really sleek thing to wear, not like Google's glasses, you know, the Google glass hole, all that in the old days, back in the olden days. But when you're walking down Michigan Avenue, let's say your directions pop up. They pop up in kind of this hollow lens, not a hologram per se, You could, but you get them overlaid in what you're looking at, what's in front of you. Uh, maybe you get a bit of history. Uh, you can read your text on your glasses. 
uh, get the time and temperature. You can make phone calls. You know, all of the things that right now you have to look at your phone to do, they want to put that in a pair of glasses. And then very quickly, uh, if this doesn't work for Meta, what does this mean for the company? Well, some version of this Project Cambria will work. It'll be kind of the next level VR, AR headset. If it somehow just failed horrifically for them, it would be a minor step back. Uh, they have had many of those before. <laughs> you know, they, they actually tried to come out with a smartphone. That was a giant failure. Wouldn't be a, a huge, you know, wouldn't end the company by any stretch of the imagination. Jennifer Jolly, Tech Life columnist for USA Today based in San Francisco. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. If you missed any part of today's noon business hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.